there was some type of something going on outside the window when you did yeah. that. Like the microphone was blowing up. I thought it was yeah. just new uh, <laughs> new sound effects. No. All right. Mountaineer Kingdom Dew talk to Nick. Uh, we have, oh and he's choking on his water. <laughs> we have been doing a spotlight yeah. series. You guys were worried about me laughing the whole time through it. Nah, he'll be all right. We, uh, we've been doing a spotlight series trying to get to know <laughs> each other and just kind of get our backgrounds and our stories out a little bit. We've kind of done some of these out of order. I feel like we've done yours before, though. <laughs> <laughs> We're going you, to. That's because that, we that was have. Just, that was just a really bad dream that you don't remember. That you you rem- I, I was not a part you of the first. Oh, it was something. <laughs> that's, uh, I, wait a sec. Wait, we gotta no. We we gotta we gotta talk about this. We gotta talk about this. Oh, I, I thought just, you started. We have to start over. No, that's like, the, what. It, our whole mantra here at Mountaineer Kingdom Dude Talk is: we do it live for now. No, <laughs> we do it live. That's the only episode that we have ever pulled. Yeah, giggles over here. That's the only episode we've ever pulled. I told him to just do what you wanted to do. Oh, old giggle bot over here. I, the, the sad thing is, I have no idea what I was laughing about. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You never do, you, dude. You just Neither were did going. We. It was awesome. We uh. still might make a couple shorts out of that one. I think it's worth making shorts out of. I forget. I forget <laughs> the you, you, dog's you, name you, from you, the Looney Tunes or whatever it was that. <laughs> That's it. Muggsy? Mug- Something like yeah. that, yeah. You talk about, like, analytics and the whole literally thing where analytics dropped. The entire episode would have been flatlined, and I'm still peaking really bad. Um, <laughs> while you're working on that, we're going to uh, – I wanted to get out there. Um, what Our goal is to grow the kingdom, and you can help us out by liking, subscribing, and sharing uh, what you see. It just helps us get it out there more or get our, our podcast out there more. And today, for the second go-around, we're going to dive into the first Andy's life a little bit. I, I shared this when we did second. Newsom's. It was, um, we know each other pretty well, the five of us, and I still always take something out of these. There's still a nugget of information that we kind of dive into. It's like, and it just, we get to understand what makes each of us take a little bit. Yeah, you gotta do the sound and now people just dropping again <laughs> all right so andy tell us where you're from um from west virginia yeah small town or small town yep uh, i think back in the day it was pretty big it used to be a remnant of the glass industry and the steel industry up in the northern panhandle so wellsburg west virginia that's where i grew up seems like everything in west virginia all these towns used to be bigger than they are now with coal and timber and all the factories that were here that are just going away yeah it was awesome though i mean shoot it was it's like leave it to beaver growing up man i would run over to my friend's house and we the park was three blocks away so i'd go skateboarding summers were awesome be skateboarding at the park in the summer and we grew up right on the high river so then we go jump in the river my buddy had a pool and then we'd jump in the pool so my summers as a kid were amazing it just we'd play baseball skateboard and swim you had unlimited access to the carlos and to carlos my goodness oh magical square pizza of uncooked cheese goodness in my face so what of all the obviously sounds like a happy childhood what does any of those what's the what sticks out the most with respect to what your childhood like what's a happy moment it was good i mean um my my parents did a really good job you know we had a very good life things got a little chaotic when i went to college um we were grew up in a christian home uh i dad had a good job mom had a good job 
we never wanted for anything, you know, always had heat, water, food, that type of jazz. Our house was kind of like a revolving door. People would always be in and out. Like there was, there was one time where we came back from running around somewhere and there were people sitting on our couch eating food from our fridge. And my dad's like, what are you guys doing? Like waiting for you guys to get home. What's up? And it was just, that was a day in the life in our home. It was just, people were always welcome in our home. It was a really cool experience, you know, yeah. obviously frustrating at times, but it was interesting. Yeah. Wellsburg is a cool little town. Oh, it's a very cool town. There's yeah. so much history, brick roads still in the, all over the place. The house, some of the homes are absolutely beautiful. Uh, yeah. Wellsburg's, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Um, when so you you said you grew up in a Christian home. Yep. When did you start your personal walk with with Christ? So fifteen was when I had my come to Jesus moment. Uh, fifteen was when I dedicated my life to Christ and I said I'm I'm all in for you, Jesus. As Newsom would say, did it take? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I got baptized at eleven, which I thought that was the thing that you did to become a Christian, and at some point my heart was circumcised and I was at 15 and I was at that point I was sold out I knew that my life was no longer my own and that no matter what I was going to be living for Christ he's already starting what are you doing it was circumcised wasn't it um so when was so you it was the face that Nick gave I just hope they got on camera no, it wasn't okay I'm calling it out and people plummet when did so you graduated when 2004 Okay. High school was great too, man. I had a smoking hot girlfriend. That's you, Amanda. What up, girl? Um, she doesn't watch. Said, well, whatever. Still out there. Um, <laughs> I, high school was great. You know, I, I went from being like a scapegoat in middle school. I was a dork. Everybody picked on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of a loser. And then I can't, I, at about this time I became a, a Christ follower. Um, I started to change my motivation for how I was living my life. And I realized that all the good things in my life, everything that was good came from Christ. And it completely transformed the way that I lived my life as a whole. And by the time I graduated high school, man, friends with everybody, uh, president of the class, uh, was participating in plays and like got along with all the faculty. It was just, it was really cool. I had a great time in high school. Um, when, who, so 15, you gave your heart to Jesus. Yep. Um, from the conversations we've had, tell us a little bit about your church. What was that like? So I grew up in a super conservative, uh, very religious denomination. Um, I don't mind saying it's the Church of Christ. You know, it's hyper, hyper legalistic. You know, it is, you shall do this, you shall do this, you shall do this, you shall not do this. And I lived my life following those dictums. Um, and at some point when I was in college... I actually cracked open the Bible and started realizing what the gospel was, mm-hmm. and that is not what the gospel is. The gospel isn't following rules. I mean, we are transformed by Christ to become a new creation, not to live our lives in fear and guilt and shame, but to live our life through love and through Christ. Um, so growing up that way, I learned a respect for Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned you know, some really valuable lessons for the sacred nature of who God is and what the Bible is and what the Bible stands for. But I also learned that it's so easy for us to be judgmental. And I saw from the church that I grew up in that we were very much judging everybody that we came into contact with. Because if you were not a member of the Church of Christ, then you were not a part of the elect. You were not part of the same team. And 
when I started talking to other Christians and that did not set well. <laughs> so mm. I, I had a come to Jesus moment. And when I realized what I was doing and how divisive I was being in my exclusive perspective, I realized that I was missing something critical here. It's our families, our churches, our leaders, our pastors, our grandparents can tell us all about the Bible and all about Jesus from their point of view. But it's when you open that, open his word. I love all the background noise, by the way, audience, if you hear that, we apologize. Um, Good ambiance. Oh, it's something. And uh, America, man, we, um, but when you open the Bible, read his word and start that relationship one-on-one, it's, it's a game changer. Truly transforms you. Yeah. I grew up listening to the preacher doing everything, but I didn't really read the scripture. And then when I opened and read the scripture, especially the gospel, you know, everybody wants to start reading the Bible from the book of Genesis. That's what I did. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. You're going to get to learn stuff and then you're going to get to Leviticus and be like, dude, what am I doing? But when you start in Matthew and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then jump right into Acts and holy crap, Romans, like, yeah, it's mind blowing the narrative that is presented there. When you actually start to realize that these were real people, that Jesus was a real person that was God who came in flesh. And then the way that he interacted with people, that's what's so transforming. Mm-hmm. Every time he interacted with somebody, you see grace, mercy, and love. Even when he's correcting somebody, he's not doing it out of anger and spite. He's doing it out of love. And then you come to Romans, and Romans, man, is like, that is, in my opinion, the best book in the Bible because it spells out the gospel message in 16 chapters. And it gives us the full revelation of the whole story in a very condensed narrative with the climax being Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 sets the foundation for all that I've ever stood for as a Christian. Just absolutely incredible. So so was this something that your church was teaching or absolutely not? No. Well, by the time I came into contact with that, I was pushing early 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably about 24, oh, so this 25. Is this is way after, yeah. So I had already disassociated with that denomination. And I started opening up uh, to, okay, there are other Christians out there. Why was I separating myself from them? So with that experience, do you have like a bad taste in your mouth for denominations? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it it's divisive in nature. The denominations, by virtue of what they stand for, is we've developed this theology and it makes us different than this theology. And we're not going to hold fast to the idea that Christ unifies us. We're going to hold fast to these nuances of things that aren't necessarily a matter of salvation. Scripture tells us no, that. Well, yeah, go ahead. That, that scripture tells us that uh, he who believes in the name or in Je- as calls he upon the name of the Lord. Calls, calls, no, he who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God uh, shall be saved. Like it's that simple. If you proclaim Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you shall be saved. Period. No caveats. And as soon as you talk to any denominations, they're going to be, but, well, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but, yes, but. And you've just neutered the gospel when you do that. You've neutered who we are in our identity in Christ. That's the thing that unifies us. There's two billion Christians in the world. What unifies us? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Yeah, salvation is grace and the faith that Christ was resurrected, and it was a gift. I mean, he freely came down to die for our sins. If you can believe in that, then I can get along with you. There's six billion people in the world that don't agree with you on that. Sure. 
we're in the minority. Some some might, might actually argue that of the two billion Christians that you were referring to may not agree with you. I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to do a unity one because that the denominations and the unities it, it's a big one. And just briefly, your experience. I grew up Pentecostal in the Church of God. Right across the road in the little creek up the holler was a Southern Baptist church. And although the Baptist church didn't dive into the gifts of the spirit like we did people would come and go anytime the doors were open if our doors were closed or we had a sometimes we had shut one church's doors and both go combined but the spirit got to dictate the service and there was nothing out of place so I, I kind of it's the more I hear of your background my background in is almost a mirror image yeah that's interesting yeah because like we the you know there's five streets down every main street in America and oh yeah, I go to the Baptist church. I go to the Methodist. But we should be living lives together. That's the point of the church. A church is community. It's not a building. Yeah. And anyway. there's one call. There's one. There's one call to action, and that's grow the kingdom, advance the kingdom, and tell Bingo. and spread the gospel. Right. Like that. that there's got to be a, a, a rallying cry to that. Um. So you graduate high school. Yep. Do you go straight into college, or do you um? Yeah, I went to uh, Fairmont State University here in the great city of Fairmont, West Virginia. Nick will be back. Um, I went after an architecture degree for the first three years and then decided I didn't want to do that. Dropped out and went. I dropped out of college, and a month later I was in South America for six months. And South America was, um, what were you doing there? So I went to the National Outdoor Leadership School. Uh, I was interested in pursuing a life of outdoor recreation and this was the first step in that so i dropped out of college took out a loan 2006 seven time frame whenever they were giving out student loans like candy and hmm. and, and had, a, had an amazing amazing life experience it was difficult um but the values and the things that i experienced during that trip fundamentally set me up for who i am as an adult now and you went to college for architect Once, to, or to become an architect yeah i went to college to become an architect and then walked away from that although i still like those things you know i still play with models and things like that but professionally i'm very far from that model models are fun i love building stuff man. yeah yeah never look never got into it at all couldn't stand it well but now i've taken those skills and i would work on the side as much as i can if you don't count the pringle chip table that i made <laughs> we need to get a picture of that I hate table. That table. Um, I love it, but I hate it. <laughs> so, leave college, go to South Africa, come back. You're in Texas for a little bit. No, so I came back from South America, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Um, and I had an option. I decided to go to a recruiter because one of my friends was dating him, and his boss was coming in, and I would just sit at the desk. Mm-hmm. Um, but he talked up the good game for the army and uh i went to an at-risk youth camp and interviewed for a position there and i ultimately decided to join the army right on um what year is that 2007 like, how old were you, uh, i was 21 okay 22 ish and when you deployed were you married at that point or yeah so uh when i joined the army i had met my first wife just before I went to basic training. Uh, we got married shortly after I graduated basic training. Yeah. We were pregnant with the first kid, and 
got married and nine months later I was deployed. So my daughter was two weeks old when I deployed for a year for the first time. That's got to be tough. Yeah, it wasn't easy. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> in, that's insane. It, uh, it was a lot, man. And back in those days, you know, you didn't have internet connectivity. You didn't really have a, no, a whole lot of what was going on. We yeah. had some connectivity, but it wasn't reliable. And so, you know, you would be on the phone, it would break up. And, you know. Plus, I would, the type of job I was in the infantry then, too. And that's just a hard life, man. You're, yeah. I was getting up at 5, 5 o'clock every day, staying at work till 5, 6, 7 o'clock at night. When was the transition to pilot school that happened uh 2010 i was picked up for a program to commission uh, that means i went from becoming an enlisted member to an officer we moved back here to west virginia went to marshall university um, finished my degree actually got my master's while i was down there and commissioned as an aviation officer so 2012 i went to flight school fort rucker alabama okay. which is now fort Navasel, named after a medal of honor winner you know, because why not politically correct stuff, but you know, yeah. and was, when was that was, so when you became a pilot, is that when you did your second tour in Afghanistan? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, flight school, I flew Blackhawks, which absolutely incredible machines, man. Helicopters are awesome. Um, and then I got an opportunity to fly fixed wing aircraft. It was two years of training. And then by 2015, I was deployed to Afghanistan. So I spent seven months in Afghanistan flying. Okay. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, flight school. Intense. Like you're waking up three thirty, four o'clock in the morning to catch the bus to go sit at the airfield. Uh, but I remember walking out to the aircraft one day and it was raining. And I had previously been an infantryman. And when it rains in the infantry, you just suck it up. You deal with the wet, the cold, the nasty, and you're freezing your balls off. And I'm walking out through the aircraft and I'm had the biggest smile on my face like dude i'm gonna sit inside a heated helicopter today and i'm gonna be <laughs> flying a freaking helicopter looking down on the dudes that are in the suck like okay this was a good life choice <laughs> yeah and so from when was your last when did you leave afghanistan uh left afghanistan the first time in 2015 so like september october 2015 and you'd already had three kids at this point at that or all point four? we had had all four kids and when were you going through your divorce while you were still deployed so we remained married we did another pcs to um uh fort Wachuca, arizona mm-hmm. which awesome duty station you're living right in the foothills of the mountains um intelligence center of excellence i went uh, for the military intelligence career course, and that's that was 2016. That's when our marriage started falling apart, mm-hmm. and early 2017 is when we separated. Okay. Um, so she took the kids and came back to West Virginia. I went to Texas and deployed for a year from Texas. Wow. And then you moved into when was good old Fairmont in the picture? So, um, Fairmont. There was, I, there was a duty station here in Bridgeport. Okay. That that was here's the cool part, man. It was aligned with what I was doing professionally. It was one spot here in the middle of West Virginia, thirty minutes away from the kids. Amanda and I had started talking, dating about a year after, year and a half after we separated, um, and it was just down the road from where we live right now. So, by the grace of God, I was able to f- maintain my profession and move. And work within 30 minutes of where my kid and now my kids and my 
wife now. Lives. And you're talking to your high school sweetheart. And I'm talking to my high school sweetheart. So it what all a love story. That dude, is so pretty. It, it it lined up so beautifully. Uh, it it was just awesome. It was unreal to think that okay, here I am at this. And keep in mind when there's billets for the military, it's very specific. And I was already had a very small group. Like there's only a couple hundred officers that are in the fixed wing community. And for there to be a billet that was for me at that particular time of my career, and I had met all the critical requirements, and that it was located here at home, it was just, yeah, it was a God thing. And it, it worked out great. So um, Amanda and I got married, and I moved back here, and we had this hope of having blended chaos. <laughs> blended chaos, that's a nice way to say it. Speaking of a nice way to say it, welcome back. You all right? Yeah. Good, we're going to keep moving. Let's talk. To, let's focus on Nick now and why he abandoned us in the middle of. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. O two D two. O two D two. Did that oxygen tank turn off or something? I don't I'm know. about to clamp the hose shut. Uh, <laughs> I wish somebody would. That's how we. That's, that's love talking here at the, at the dude station. <laughs> and now, and, and you were talking earlier about there is viewerships. Eh, it's Nick, all about so. See, that's yourself. where they we're talking about killing Nick, and it all comes right back up. Uh, <laughs> like, huh? Free entertainment. So you get divorced, get remarried, blended chaos. What's blended chaos like? It's well, just a great way to say it. I mean, it's it's blended chaos. You are trying to. First off, divorce, if you can avoid it, avoid it. Skip it. Do not do it. If you can fight for your marriage, fight for your marriage. I fought for my marriage, and it failed. Um, Amanda fought for her marriage, and it failed. Uh, We were both on the receiving end of um, infidelity, although in my story it's twisted around the other way. It's it's a hot mess. Um, So we were trying to pick up the scraps. You know, when you get divorced, your hopes, your dreams your entire life fundamentally changes and how you cope with that is not easy. Praise God for faith because I don't know, want to know where I would be without it mm-hmm. because you go to dark, dark places. Everything that you hope for, you think like, Oh man, I'm going to do this with my kids and the grandkids. And all of a sudden in an instant, done, she gone like that, that hope, that dream is broken. And then you're trying to live this life where you're, 50% of the time you have your kids, but then your whole culture and dynamic changes. Oh, and then you decide to get married and you blend. And when you blend, you're now trying to integrate these two family cultures that are fundamentally different. And you're trying to find a way to make people work together. And it's very difficult, especially if you have a contentious sex or because there's all these different dynamics. The reality is, is that when you get divorced, your family that you're whoever you were married to before that family still remains your family the dynamic just changes mm-hmm. and some people can't grasp that and that's when you end up getting into the contentious force environment like what what I've been a part of um, so we were trying to clean up and pick up this mess and make it better in the time that we had which for me was less than I think I had 25% custody at the time so I moved across the country from Texas to West Virginia to within 30 minutes of my kids. And the freaking family court judge said, 25% is enough for you. Meanwhile, Amanda had 50-50. And, uh, you know, trying to reconcile that and then trying to build this life with these kids, which was really awesome at first. Like We were cramming them all in a small house. And it was chaos, but we were getting it done. It was fun. It was cool. The kids still have good memories of that. At least the kids that still come around. 
and uh, it was fun. Um, but in our case, we had some external influences that changed the dynamics of our family. And, you know, here we are two, three years. Well, actually, we just hit our five-year anniversary. And we are feeling the impact of some pretty substantial forces. Yeah. So blending is not for the faint of heart, even in the best of situations. But that being said, we've got a pretty good relationship with her ex-husband. See him all the time. Actually have a very good relationship with her ex-husband's family. Um, so it's, yeah. you know, there are good things in it. Look at the bright spots and the, the small wins that are in there. Yeah. 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 Um, <clears throat> and then we're going to talk about, now we're going to fast forward a little bit to impressively backtrack when we all met because i met you in the the one of the last life groups of the og class before oh, yeah. it expanded i think it was the very last class and one you, of them yeah yeah and then you guys decided to go on a hike and yeah so you know i was an outdoor recreation guy going back to the national outdoor leadership school when i went to south america been in the army for 14 years and one of the things that unifies people is going out and doing things together Mm -hmm. and so we've talked about this before if you want to have something of the depth of relationship we have here go out embrace the suck with your buddies do something that makes you uncomfortable and it's trauma bonding you go through suck and all of a sudden now we have something in common and it honestly creates this beautiful bond. It's what happens in the military. It's what happens when you get stuck in dolly sods when you're walking through six-inch water and people's bags are breaking. Or guns are <clears throat> staring you in the face from a random... Uh, yeah. He had the worst clip ever. <laughs> so we were in this <laughs> life group, which I love the idea, but let's face it, most life groups and churches are just, hey, let's go sit around the table and drink coffee and talk about stuff. Ringing the- in the sheaves. Well, two... <laughs> I think if you give into a life group expecting something in return, I think when I first started, it was, okay, I don't know a lot of people. I mean, I've been going to the church for probably a year and a half at that point, maybe two years. And where I teach and volunteer um, in the ranger program, I'm at the very end of the church, right? Like nobody goes back there. Um, And it was getting an opportunity and I thought, man, it was to be nice for Haley to get out and actually meet some moms and the kids to have closer relationships with other kids other than just the randomness that happens in a, in an evening class. And I'll say this, if you put into it what and, and give it your all, this is an example of what can happen in a life group. Well, that's, that's I mean, what I five saying. dudes and lifelong friends that started this in, in our buddy's basement and, the goal became, hey, let's go try to teach men to be men again. Let's go spread the gospel. Let's go p- advance the kingdom. So, um, that's what I was getting to, man. Is like, if I was going to be in a life group, okay, let's do this life thing together. That's what church is. Yeah, church is not going to a building, hanging out and singing songs. Church is living in community with your brothers and sisters in Christ, lifting each other up being with them along those difficult journeys. And if we're in this life group, then, okay, well, I want you guys to be my best friends. I want you to be my friends for life. I want you to be people that I'm going to go to when I have a need. I'm not going to go knock on my neighbor's door, which it'd be ideal if you were my neighbor. But if we're going to participate in a life group, then let's be authentic about it. Yep. Let's go hang out. So we can't do that if you sit around and are him hauling and just having 
semi-pseudo-depth conversations because, well, we're in church and we must be holier than thou and hold ourselves in an appropriate way and don't say certain things. Talk to me like you're a human. Talk to me like you do when you're out there at work every day and treat me the same way that you treat everybody else because that's when I'm going to get to see who you are. No better way to do that than say, hey, boys, I'm going backpacking. Let's do this thing. Just be be the man or woman that God created you to be, and he will grow you and tweak you as that really as you go through life he'll he'll help you make those changes it's scary and i think that's one of the things our culture struggles with is that we have been programmed to be to find comfort being a christian is not comfortable you're always going to find yourself in a situation where you don't feel okay because the holy spirit is going to provoke you to do things that make you feel uncomfortable and that's okay yeah um We'll get to the fun, the the obvious questions now, the fun ones for me anyways. Any, if you could have a do-over at any point in your life, would you take it and what would it be? <laughs> you liked that, didn't you? I mean, honestly, when I got married the first time, it was a bad decision. I did not think through that one very well. Um, I, when Amanda and I got back together, man, it was like my soul taking a breath of fresh air when we first hugged and kissed, it was like, okay, this is where I was meant to be. Yeah. That's been a beautiful story and a redemption story for us. Um, and I, I honestly regret the first marriage I had. Yeah. It's, it was, it's been very hard. It's been very painful post. I mean, I don't see three of my kids right now and it's because of the dynamics of that relationship that have caused that. Um, now that being said, Everybody goes back and says, oh, no regrets. But those experiences have turned me into the man that I am today. But those experiences, born in sin, and honestly, yeah, um, have led to the trials that I'm facing today. And it's impacting my family and my testimony. And, you know, I'm holding fast to Romans 8.28 uh, in, in the hopes that, you know, God is going to make all things happen for good because I love him and I do feel called according to his purposes. Um, so I'm hoping that this mess becomes beauty in the end. So you mentioned your testimony. What do you want that? What, what is it? What is your testimony? This is my testimony. From we, death alive. <laughs> we, we overcome by the, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Um, that's a loaded question, man, because I feel like, I feel like my life has been a testimony. In the deepest, darkest places I've been, I've always deferred to the Lord. Faith has been my spiritual gift. I've been able to maintain my faith throughout this. Many times I didn't want to. Um, and I think the the testimony is that the God of all creation, the Lord of heaven armies, is King and King of Lord of Lords, regardless of our circumstances. My circumstances are not a reflection for the greatness of our God. And my life, and oftentimes, men are in the Christian life, we're so tied to this prosperity concept and this idea that nothing bad's going to happen to us. It's been very, very difficult. But through that, I've always deferred to the authority of the Lord, and I've always sought His ways to the best of my abilities. In the hopes that 
maybe my story will point others to the redeeming value of who he is and what Christ did for us. So I tell people, I've got this opportunity, I'm participating in a program called 100K Fathers, and the the hope is to reconnect 100,000 fathers with their children who've been separated and alienated from them. And I tell guys that if my story can in some ways prevent what has happened to me from happening to you in the future, then it was worth it. So if I can use all the bad that's happened to me to help teach someone to modify something so that it can prevent this chaos from happening in someone else's life, then it was all worth it. Yeah. It's a good testimony. Using what God, what you, your experiences that you've been through to uplift a brother, to uplift someone who, you're not the only one going through it, right? No one's ever, you, you, this, your story is meant to be shared so that you can bring glory to God and let them know that, hey, if he can help me, he can help you because he wants to, because he loves you. And we talked about it when we did our uh, interview with uh, Teresa, that God left the 99 to go after the one. He did not stop and ask, but what did they do before I go look for them? How did they get themselves lost? He just went. He just went. Not uh, recklessly or blindly. I had to get that in there. Of course you He did. just went because he loves us, first and foremost. And um, thank God for love. Thank God for the cross. And, and praise him to the highest for the resurrection. Because without that, none of this would matter. Yeah, amen. I mean, it's, that makes it all... That's the motivation to keep going because he loved me first. That enables me to forgive. That enables me to move forward. And like, if my ex is watching this, which she does sometimes, I forgive you. <laughs> like, let's move on. Let's get past it. But it's, it's so beautiful, man. The story of love. Yeah. Love. Like, it, it is one of those things that we read books and we watch movies and it just resonates so deeply the story of love every single one of us when we feel it when we see it in our children's eyes when we see it in our wife's eyes when we see it in, in a very well written story it impacts us and it brings us makes us weak in our knees and that is the gospel man Jesus loves us and the true definition of love so much that it shakes us to our core it can break walls yep so that's that's what I hold fast to awesome uh, the yes man gotta say yes yes yeah um, do you want to do a quick plug for Jared's going to start doing a sub venture for this? He's going to be sharing some theological uh, stuff with us, stuff about the covenants. Uh, what are the, some of the other stuff you're going to be doing? Well, I'm going to be doing um, talking about the covenants, talking about the the festivals and the feast of the, of, of ancient uh, Israel, and then hitting on other a little bit more in depth biblical topics and theological topics that we really can't get too deep in on 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 this podcast um but it's it's really going to be focused around that yeah and it's it's always just good to get more information and with some some good biblical knowledge um wendy thanks for being vulnerable as usual we always tell you okay maybe not be so vulnerable i'm kidding um but it's again this is always fun to dive into these conversations um please again help us out if you would give us a like share subscribe Subscribe and, share share. and subscribe. 
Um, it yeah. really helps us out because our goal again is to advance the kingdom, and the more we can get these uh, episodes out there and share the love of Christ and what God did for us out of nothing but love, um, it'll go a long way, and we'll really appreciate it. I'll just keep going. How's that? <laughs> To catch up on the other Spotlight series, uh, go to our website. <laughs> yep, I got you, buddy. Uh, go to the website, mkdutalk.com. Uh, <coughs> Check us out at YouTube at mkdutalk. Uh, we're pretty much on everything now, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Rumble, X, formerly known as Twitter. I was going to ask what X was. Instagram. <laughs> Elon um, Musk. <laughs> so, again, just share it. We're just trying. We're just men of God trying to promote the kingdom. So for Jared, Andy, Josh, and this time absent news. Um, and don't forget O2D2 Nick yeah. back here. Uh, God bless <laughs> and good night. Oh, sorry. Do, do you remember the music, right? There it is. There we go. I got that might be too loud. <laughs>